WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD, your local South Shore radio station and award-winning radio station, by the way. Um, You know, I I was listening to Talking Birds earlier this morning, and I want to steal an idea. They have something called a talking postcard. And uh, if you've never listened to the show... audio postcard. Yeah, audio postcard. Well, okay, audio postcard. And... uh, it's actually a pretty good idea. I like it. Um, so maybe we could sort of do the same thing. Like maybe if you see a cool car that you like, you could send a little video, you know, 30-second, 60-second video of, hey, I was walking down the street and I saw this, I don't know, Lamborghini Countach, and uh, it, it looked in really good shape. And just send it along. Send it along to my email, jpaul at aaanortheast.com. Or maybe and, if you uh, see a horrific car accident. I, I'd rather not see a video of a horrific car accident. Oh, yeah. But I'm just throwing out ideas. Yeah. I just, yep, yeah. You are an idea man, after all. So, um, <laughs> And we'll come up with a few other things to talk about in this hour as well. But right now we have uh, Rodney Kemmer. He is uh, an author. And he wrote a really interesting book called Tales from the Garage. And it's sort of, you know, everybody who owns a car, I think, has a car story. And I think every car has a story kind of built into it as well. Rodney, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program. Hi, guys. Hi, John. Hi, Jesse. Hey there. Christmas Eve. I mean, what else am I doing except talking to you guys? Well, I, I appreciate that. Well, tell us, <laughs> tell, us about this, tell us about this book that, first off, doesn't look like a book. It looks like the owner's manual out of my car. Well, you you picked up on that right away, John. <clears throat> that was quite deliberate on my part. Um, when I was thinking about doing the book, I was thinking, well, okay, you know, cars are longer than they are tall, and they don't fit into a book shape. You know what I mean? It just they didn't fit. And so I kept thinking about it, and I thought, now this book has to be long so that the, my images can look more like cars. So once I decided that, then I kind of went, okay, I'm going to have this book that is kind of longer than it is tall. And then suddenly I went, I know, I'll just make it in the shape of an owner's manual so it'll feel familiar to you. And it does. You know, when you pick it up, you go, oh, yeah, I'm looking up what oil am I supposed to be using in March, you know? <laughs> and, and, what's, and what's really interesting about the book is it isn't just, you know, I expected it was going to be a little bit of, you know, barn fine sort of stuff. Um, but there's some really everyday cars in here and everyday stories in here, which I think makes it really interesting. Well, the uh, it, the book is really two things. Um, it is part memoir and it is part the memory of others. Um, it is uh, every other chapter is personal to me, my experiences with cars, and then every other chapter is other people's experiences and memories and experiences with cars so it really does function as a memoir if that's what you want you know i mean if you read it from beginning to end the personal stories are in chronological order so you get my childhood playing with toy cars all the way up until yesterday fussing with one of my cars um 
But what I tried to do is these are stories that are different. You know what I mean? They are, they're not just, oh, I bought a new car and, you know, I had it for a few years and it was somewhat reliable and blah, blah. No, no, no. These are, these are stories that have real beginning, middle, and ends to them. Um, like the the first chapter, you know, is about a, a 1963 Rolls-Royce Silver Cloud um, and you go, okay, there's there's a few of those around, and they're nice cars and stuff. And then you read the story, and you go, wait a minute, this was a one-owner car, bought new, ordered in London, shipped to California, traveled around the world. But it also was the car that drove Robert Kennedy to the Ambassador Hotel in June of that year and was waiting outside the kitchen door with its rear door open, waiting for him to step inside. And I think the idea of I, I think I remember part of that story was you know there was there was some there was some mention of a Bentley in that story and you know yeah they yeah. when when John Frankenheimer who uh, that's who's John and Evans his wife that was their car they were in London and uh, you know one thing led to another and they found themselves in the Rolls Royce showroom <laughs> don't don't we all you know yeah uh, and don't we all and John was six feet three or six feet four he was a very tall guy and he, he got in the bentley it was a little crowded and the, the salesman said gee why don't you why don't you try the silver cloud <laughs> it might fit you better uh it's like he's trying on a pair of shoes uh so he got in the car and he said oh yeah this fits much better and then his wife got in and he said do you like it and she said yeah and he said it's yours and he bought it for her well, isn't that nice? Yeah, isn't I, that I, nice? Yeah, I, I have, I haven't done that. So, but you know, one, either, so. you know, one of my, one of my other favorite parts of the book was I, you, you titled it "Rust in Peace," and I, I think junkyards tell so many stories when you can wander around a junkyard that, that especially has older cars in it. And right. you kind of, you kind of look at those, and and I don't know, maybe I have ADD or something and i wander around i see this particular you know rusty hulk of a you know 63 rambler or something and go yeah i wonder what happened with that car what's the story you know what you know was it a family who bought a brand new and did it end up with some teenage kid and you know or did it just rot away and the uh you know front suspension fell apart like all ramblers did you know and i just you know i I always kind of like that sort of stuff and the idea that you know, you you added some rusty cars in the in the book. I think it's kind well, of fun too. You know, the thing is, what what this book is, it's not. You know, a lot of a lot of car books are. You know, well, they're all about Porsches. They're all about this. They're all about that. This book covers all aspects of of cars and and people's obsession with cars. You know, uh, everything from Rolls Royces to Hondas to model cars. Car brochures, car auctions, full-service gas stations, mm. car shows, cars and coffee, junkyards. I mean, you know, I kind of cover everything in the book because they are all aspects of the sort of car hobby, you know, the, the people that like cars and are interested in cars. But what interests me most, as you say, is the st- are the stories. I would, Same thing. I walk through a junkyard and I see this rambler sitting there and I go, what was the story? Was it a big deal when that car was bought and brought into that family? Or, you know, how many people have had this car and what did it mean to them? So uncovering the stories is really what I do, is when I meet people and I talk to people. And, you know, obviously some car stories are better than others. You know, mm. it's like 
So it was all I bought it, had it for a few years, and it was reliable, and it got me to the grocery store and back. But then other stories, like the Frankenheimer Rolls-Royce story, you'd go, whoa. I mean, there's a story in here about a 1936 SSJ Duesenberg, of which they only made two. They only made two of these cars. Um and I was able to track down the widow of the of the man who was the second owner of it and got this incredible story of how they had that car. I mean, that's a really rare car. Mm. Um, so that that's in the book. Um, so tell, what, tell what, me about tell me about your neighbor Jim. Oh, Jim! Oh, Jim and his his diecast collection. It was you know that story. Uh, it's called Jim's Cars, and Jim's Cars was basically you know it was my neighbor across the street for years. Uh, he was uh, divorced and lived alone, a little bitter and stuff. And he was a kind of a car guy. He had in his living room he had a little display of diecast cars, and you know I always admired them and stuff. And so anyway, time marches on, and then sort of he passed away, and. Uh, I was ran into the executor of his estate one day, and we started talking and so forth. And he said, oh, yeah, I still have those die-cast cars. Do you want them? And, and I said, oh, yeah, I'd love to have them. Well, then he calls me later and says, well, we found more in the garage. Do you want those, too? And I, sight unseen, car guy, yeah, said, yeah, sure. sure. You know, yeah, why not? You know, well, after he drops off over a hundred die-cast cars in their original boxes. So that's what he was doing during his retirement, was buying these cars. Uh, and never really took them out of the box. Uh, so I sort of ended up with them, and it was like, yeah, one car guy to another. That's how That's how it was supposed to go. But it was very interesting because as a kid, I couldn't afford metal, you know, die cast. Uh -huh. I, had, I had the plastic ones like we all did, you know. But there's, there's a well-trod path of car-obsessed kids. You know, you start with, you know, heavy metal toys, trucks, cars. You move on to plastic, then die cast, then car brochures, then beater cars, and then you get a real car, you know. <laughs> That's that's kind of the path. Yeah, um, it it seems it seems to be, although some of us never really get the real car, I think. But um one of <laughs> you know How are you getting to work? How are you getting I, to well, work? Yeah, yeah, well, Don't have a real car. Yeah. Um who did you you know, when you were when you were kind of putting all the pieces together here, who did you have in mind for an audience for the book? Who do you who do you, I mean, car enthusiasts? Um well, people actually, that just people that just like know, a good car, story. Car people first, obviously, yep. because yep. they draw of cars. But the truth is what we are now learning now that the book is out in the world is is that non car people love the book because of the stories. Because the stories are about people. They are about right. human nature and so forth. And surprisingly, um, I'm getting a lot of emails and things from women who who admit I, right up front, say, you know, I, I found your book, and, and, and I'm not a car person, but I really love these stories, you know. So, and these are the, the women. It's so weird. The women are the ones that are reading the book from cover to cover in one sitting. I, I'll get that email to say, well, I picked it up, and I thought I'll read one chapter and see how it goes, and then I didn't move for a couple hours until I'd read the entire book. Uh, that was a surprise to me, but I have that's coming from women. So my job now is to kind of say to people, you don't have to be a car person to enjoy this because it's just about people. I mean, the Duesenberg story is a love story. I mean, when I 
track down the widow of this man who had had this car. She was in her well into her 80s, obviously. And she told me an incredible detail about their first date. And their first date was in that car. And that was a 42-year marriage. I mean, and she remembered every detail of it. And so I wrote about it, you know, wrote that story. Yeah, it it to me the book reminds me a little bit about it's it's sort of Reader's Digest. It's sort of you flip through it, and there's there's some things that I'm like, oh, I'll get back to that, and then there's a, there's a, a story or two in there that I'm like, I have to read this right now because this one this one really caught my attention, and I want to learn a little bit more about that. And one of one of the ones, and one of the things that I do not every week but i do fairly often is i go to a cars and coffee sort of thing and i i say to one of my neighbors i go with that it's either an excuse to go to cars and coffee or it's an excuse to go have breakfast and talk about the cars we just saw one or the other but um you have a little section about uh, cars and coffee but uh, what's interesting is you have a you have a there's a story in there about a, a Honda Accord or a Honda Civic or something right well my my Honda Accord uh <laughs> was my first new car in 1978 it was a very big deal uh you know to buy a new car real rite of passage and mm-hmm. you know it felt like you were being a real adult um and I and I still have that car. I mean, that's that's the other shocking thing. So I, I realized I didn't have to be that guy who kind of grows up and suddenly is going, well, I have a little extra money now. I think I'll go track down that first new car I ever had, you know, <laughs> and, and then spend a whole bunch of money fixing it all up again. I thought, I'll avoid that by just keeping my first car. <laughs> so I've it's been a one-owner, never off the road, 1978 Honda Accord. Pretty unusual. Uh, but in that Cars and Coffee story, I happened to meet uh, the parts manager for Honda Motor Company out of Torrance, and he handed me his card and said, well, if you need some help getting some parts, you know, let me know. Well, yeah, because yeah. Th- there are no parts for those cars, none. They, they, they literally do not exist because uh, they stopped manufacturing parts a long time ago for those cars. And then the cars that existed, you know, went to junkyards, and then when people stopped looking for parts, they crushed them. So there are no parts. So now when I need something for them, I have to go online, and I'm typing in, you know, Honda Parts Malaysia, you know, that kind of thing. But I literally am getting parts from, you know, Eastern European countries and Malaysia and, you know, all over the world. You know, they're stashed away in little warehouses and stuff, and you can get them. But this guy, I told, I just laughed at him when he said, if you ever need help, you know, just yeah. ask me. And I said, well, now that you're offering, um, I have a little rust here on this left front fender. I said, do you think you can get me a fender for a 1978 Honda Accord? And he laughed and he said, yeah, right, like, like they're going to have that in stock. Mm. He then calls me a couple weeks later and said, well, good news, bad news. And I said, okay. He said, what do you want first? And I said, well, the good news, of course. He goes, well, I found you a fender. I said, fantastic. And he goes, the bad news? I said, yeah, the bad news. He goes, the fender's in Belgium. Oh, well. (laughs) So I said, oh, okay. And I'm thinking, shipping the fender from Belgium to California might cost more than the fender, you know? Well, Uh, yeah. But anyway, they arranged it. Honda arranged it, and suddenly the local dealer called me up and said, do you want me to bring it up to the house? And I said, what? (laughs) Wow. 
Hey, yeah, talk about it, customer service. I mean, yeah, my God. Yeah. It, it is interesting. I, I was at a Cars and Coffee, I don't know, last you know, January, February, and there's a, a Bradley GT, kind of a you know, kit car sort of thing. Yeah, but I'm right. looking I'm looking under the hood or under the engine compartment and it's a Volkswagen ish looking engine. Right. With no cooling. And I'm right. like, how do, how does this stay cool? So I get talking to the guy who owns it and he says to me, Well, it's actually an aircraft engine and he said, I was testing it for we we're testing it for heating, overheating, and I thought, why not put it in a car? Nothing's going to work harder than putting this engine in a car. And right. it, had a, it had a little turbocharger on it. I said, what? What did you? What do you do? And he said, Oh, he said I ran the fuel economy lab for Ford. <laughs> and I'm like, Geesh, okay, you know, and. And, and just the idea that you can kind of run into run into this these kind of people, and and it's like you know you're a guy I want to go have a beer with somewhere because you know you 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 can tell me some of these stories not just about your Bradley GT and uh, you know some of your other interesting cars, but also you know you know running that fuel economy lab. What was that like? You know how mm-hmm. how did that? So the idea of those kind of stories that you put together in this book i think makes it makes it makes it real interesting it makes it makes it interesting that you've covered a wide variety of topics which which like you said is to me is way better than you know i went to the mustang club and i interviewed right. 15 people in all mustangs right right no no and that was really the point of it and then the other thing that i did when i decided to do the book was i thought well you know i've looked at a lot of car you know books that are sort of memoir type things and you know the, the, you're kind of dull and my background is magazines because i was a magazine writer and you know magazines rely on graphics and so i thought well I'm going to do a book that is literally a combination of a magazine and a book. I'm going to use magazine-type graphics, but in a book. We call it a bookazine. But I did it because I want to draw you in. So this way, you can pick in all the graphics. I'm sure you realize they're all unique. Each each chapter has its own graphic language and its own graphic style, and it has its own color palette too. So no color is repeated. So you the stories the graphics bleed into each page for that story, so that it has is continuity. But also, it's attractive. So you pick it up and you thumb through it, and you go, "Oh, look! There's a cool picture of this thing or this car or whatever it is," and you read. You read that chapter. Some chapters are two pages long, some are six pages, but that's it. Um, it's, it's no longer than that. So it's perfect to throw in the glove box of your car because it's, a, it's the size of an owner's manual. Yeah. And while you're waiting at the red light, you can read a chapter about cars and coffee or dune buggies or junkyards or or, car or, signage. Or, or in the case of me, waiting for my wife while she's in the store, you know. Yeah, well, yeah the, one yeah. of the reviews actually said just that word. One of the reviews on Amazon. By the way, I have to put the plug in. Yep. Uh, you you can buy the book uh, Amazon, you know, dot com. Easy, they'll deliver it in a couple of days. Um, he it was some, one of the reviewers in the the readers' comments said that exact thing. He said, "Yeah, I keep it in my car. It's perfect." When I'm waiting for my wife to come out of the grocery store, I read a couple chapters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it 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 makes sense and. I will admit the one chapter I looked at the picture I didn't, but I haven't I haven't read it yet is the uh, thing about the Wurlitzer jukebox. Ah, the Wurlitzer jukebox. Interesting. The Wurlitzer jukebox is not a car story per se. Um, I've included it um, because on the thin thin premise that the jukebox is in my garage. 
<laughs> so it was like, okay, what's you know? And is, and, and is and is it the jukebox that's in the picture, the bubble top? Yeah, yeah, yeah. a model ten fifteen. Yeah, um, and I've had it since I was fourteen, I think. And it's the story of how I acquired it at age fourteen, despite my parents telling me absolutely not, I cannot bring it into the house, and I did anyway. Um, so that was the kind of kid I was you know I was like what you're telling me I can't do something okay I'm doing it Um, so that's what that it's in there loosely because of that but it's also because the book is part memoir um, it was a significant uh, crossing over of of my childhood and and you mentioned you mentioned um you know going to estate sales and you head directly for the garage which is what i'm guilty of sometimes and and i live in a pretty pretty small house so i don't have any room for a lot of stuff but i still tend to and like cars when i especially when i see an estate sale you you start to get a feeling for how the person lived and sometimes you sometimes you see how they lived in the garage and sometimes you see how they lived in the house but there's always there's a story there too and sometimes you're looking around the garage and you you're like oh that's an oil filter that's been in that box for 32 years and i wonder i wonder what happened to the car that went with that oil filter and why'd they save the oil filter and you know there there's always there's always kind of a a, a spinning a spinning story in my head when i when i see oh that no you, yeah. you you are speaking my language i mean i i love to go to estate sales because i love doing exactly what you're talking about which was can i piece together the story based on the objects that were left behind and lots of times you can because you start making the connections. You go, oh, look at this. There's this, and then there's this, and then, oh, look. Oh, well, he must have been into this, and then, and then, and then one thing leads to another. But I, I'm like you. I go right to the garage, and sometimes I've been delighted to find some interesting car there. You know, like you open the door and you go in, and you go, holy lord, look at this. You know, um, or you find a nice collection of you know cool license plates or car parts or you know whatever. I mean, there's yeah. just stuff. But the garage is the place where everything gets shoved that's no longer kind of being used. But I always call it the assisted living of antiques because all the broken stuff ends up in the garage. Now the lamp is broken, so it gets put in the garage because someday we're going to fix it, you know, or the chair or whatever it is. Um, But now I had to stop going to the sales because it's just uh, too many projects, you know what I mean? I drag home too many... uh, too many broken chairs and too many broken lamps. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that that is true because I have a, a, a neighbor who I don't know very well, but he bought an old gas station and it had a house attached to it. So it's that older building. Oh, uh, that's nice. Uh, and and uh, and it was in total disrepair. And one day the garage door there was I think one garage door in the front and one on the side and the garage door was open and I walk and I walked by and I see an Azetta uh tucked under a lift with a Volkswagen bus on top of it and what <laughs> looked like a Jaguar behind it oh and, my God. and and so I kept walking by hoping to see the guy you know who who showed up and and you know he was out working on the house one day and i saw him walk into the garage and i said introduced myself and said hey how you doing i said uh you got some interesting stuff in here and (laughs) and i said do you mind if can we 
can we take a look and we walk through? And uh, the problem is he's probably in his, I would say he's probably in his mid-50s, but he literally has, I think, three lifetimes worth of projects to do. But somehow he can't leave these cars when he finds them somewhere. And there was, you know, a couple of rusty old Jaguars and an old mm-hmm. rusty Triumph. And, and you know, they're all sort of stacked almost on top of each other in this little old, you know, gas station garage. And, um, and you know, his his primary focus is to work on his house to get the house right. livable. But, um, and I said to him, I'm a little jealous in one way that you have all the space I said, but there's a lot of stuff to do here. And he said, I just can't, just, I can't let it go. He said, can't I can't say no, know, right? I can't say no. He said, no, you know, I how, know that problem. Yeah, but the yeah. way I finally solved it in my own life is I don't go to those sales anymore yeah. <laughs> because I know I have that same problem. Yeah. It's like, I can't say no. And, you know, my wife said, she says, I don't, I don't mind. But she says, how about no more projects, things that need to be, you right. know, done, fixed, whatever. But speaking of that guy, you know, that has the cars shoved away, there's a guy here locally that I stumbled across one day, and my jaw dropped. It was the same thing that he was, you know, he was buying up cars whenever he would find them and then drag them to his property. Um, but he was he was dragging home some of the, the most valuable cars in the world and leaving them outside with tarps over them. Mm. So we're looking at Elvises and Bugattis and, you know, uh, just amazing cars. And I'm looking at this property, and I'm just looking at these cars, and I'm going, they're melting. You know, they're just mm. melting back into the earth. And I begged him. I said, look, I said, let me just take some photographs and stuff. No, 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 I don't, you know. Rah, 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 rah. Yeah. And I thought, well, he's just, you know, he's older, and what's going to happen is he'll pass on, and his kid will inherit the mess, and, you know, that'll be that. But I thought... What a waste. You know, what yeah. a waste. He recognizes the beauty in these things, but not enough to protect them. Oh, kills yeah. me. No, I, 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 in fact, I saw, I, I think I watched a video the other day of a family that inherited their dad's 50-car collection. They were sitting in a garage with no ventilation, and most of the cars were all moldy and mildewy inside, yeah. and headliners yeah. all fell off, and just, it's such, and it's such a shame, but you, you can only, you, you look at that, and you just sort of hope that, at some point, somebody's going to see the beauty in those cars, and you know, and also see the idea that, like the guy you discovered, he saw something about those cars and wanted to take them home, and he wanted to hold on to them to do whatever he was going to do. That yeah, maybe his he never intentions got to do. were yeah. good. His, right. his his actions were yeah. poor. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Did he save them? Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe somebody else would have taken it and then had proper care of it you know so it's it's hard to say i mean it's almost like it's the animal shelter for cars you know right. i mean it's like you're saying okay the, the the dog is not dead but it's not in great shape you know what i mean <laughs> and if it doesn't get medical care soon it will be dead yeah. and some of these cars i look at them and i go oh my god you know i'm thinking the bugatti alone you know and he's got a couple yeah. of them there and I'm i'm just going Oh my word! You know, just the rusted Hulk is worth X. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, pretty, pretty amazing stuff. So, Tales from the Garage is the book, and you have a website, 
Tales from the Garage. I have a website there, yeah. which is easy. It's talesfromthegarage.com. And and, and, you, and you have some of you have some essays in there. Uh, like you said, you're you're a magazine guy, so you, you had some other stuff in there too. Well, I put some other essays in there because uh, what I did, because since this is my first book, I thought you know nobody knows my writing or you know because people don't read bylines in magazines, unfortunately. You know they just mm-hmm. don't. I mean they're there, but nobody ever reads them. So I included on the website if, if anyone is interested, you can go to the website Tales from the Garage dot com and it'll give you all my quotes. I got some very good quotes. I hope you noticed that. I did. Uh, I got some very impressive people to uh, read and like the book, which was a big surprise to me. <laughs> well, I mean, I, and like and like you said, you know, uh, you know, pretty impressive the idea that you. Uh, you know Jay Leno and 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 you know Dan Neal and and well Dan Neal is my hero. I mean I, I just I've loved his writing for years and years and years and he was my dream quote. You know I mean he yeah. really was because I admire his writing so much. And when he gave me a great quote, I was the, I was on the moon. You know I just yeah. thought well this is it. Yeah, and uh, you know Bruce Meyer, the Myers Manx guy who recently passed away, and you know the next generation. Makes right the new company that bought are, are, right. are going to be you know you you need to be a millionaire to buy one I think but um, yeah well that's the world yeah. of cars right yeah. now yeah but uh, you know um, uh, Bruce and his wife uh, have uh, visited with a friend of mine who's a big dune buggy enthusiast and and uh, um, you know and just said he was such a, he was such a good guy and the idea you have him and of course Mark McCourt from from Hemmings Motor News uh, I think I'm having. Uh, I'm having him on the program in a couple of weeks. So oh, great! Mark's yeah, a terrific so, guy. Yeah, absolutely yeah. terrific guy. We bonded over uh, what was it? It was over a C70 Volvo coupe <laughs> because I have one and and uh, was having trouble with it. And I remembered years ago that he had written something in, in Hemmings about he had one. And I thought, oh my God, he'll probably know the answer to this question because nobody else has a Volvo C70 coupe. So well, I wrote to well, him. Well, at least. You don't have the Volvo C70 convertible because um, I remember talking to somebody from Volvo and they said they could almost go by VIN number which one was going to be bad. So really, yeah. Is, yeah. is that the soft top version the, or the, yeah, that or was the a, hard top? No, that was the soft top. The first, the first, first version, year or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. Right. What went bad? The whole car or the top? Um, it was a whole car. It the was, whole car. It, yeah, it just wasn't a good car. Well, the, the C70 Coupe, which I honestly believe is probably the best-looking Volvo next to the 1800ES, uh, you know, little yeah. uh, wagon thing. Uh, that's my favorite Volvo of all time. But the C70 Coupe, I think, is a really stunning car. I forget who the designer was. but Yeah. A beautiful, beautiful car. Um, but, it, you know, I bought the first year of it uh, because my wife wanted a Volvo. There's a chapter in the, in the book yeah. about that whole experience of her, her wanting a... She wanted either a Saab or a Volvo, and my heart just dropped, you know, because neither one of those cars appealed to me at the time. Um, and I was having a hard time justifying having that in the driveway, either one of them. But then when they mm. came out with this, I went, oh, oh, I could yeah. live with that. Yeah, I could live with it. It you're, and and it does have it has, I think what could easily be called a, kind of a, a classic timeless style. And you look at that car, you look at that car in fifty years, and you'll say that's a good looking car. Style. Yeah, and you know the truth is, I can drive it and it, drive it around now, and it's a, mine's a ninety eight. So how old is that? I mean, that's getting up there, um, and it doesn't look out of place. No, no, it, it doesn't it, look out of place. But it, they did a very cool thing with that car, though, and it's very unusual. Is that they they dechromed it. 
that is, that is like what the over in the California car culture we call murdered out when yep. you take when you take out all the the bright work off the car. They did that with the two exceptions of the front Volvo grille with the slash, you know, across yep. it. That's chrome, and in the back, the little words that say Volvo and C70 Coupe are chrome, and that's it. The rest of the car is blacked out. Yeah, it's very yeah. cool. It, it is. Cool. It, it is. It, there was uh, there was some great design in that, Rodney. I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your out of your uh, oh, Christmas, Christmas Eve, Eve Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's early where you are. You just got up, right? Uh, I just got up. Yeah, that's true. I just got yeah. up. Yeah. So you have well, the whole. No, I got up a little earlier yeah. this morning. I thought I got to be fully awake to talk to you. You know. Well, you, well, <laughs> you, you, you sound like you certainly are. So, and again, t- you, if you want to find more information, talesfromthegarage.com, dot com. Go to Amazon, Tales from the Garage. Get Please the book. Do. If, yep, My first and, book. I'm desperate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we want you to write another one. So uh, yeah, base, yeah. Uh, you know, there is one. There's an outline on my desk. So I gotta get. I gotta get this. And sold. But anyway, people are having a good time, and that's the most important thing to me. That it's it's reassuring when I get emails and texts and things from people just saying how much they enjoyed it and how it sparked memories for them. So it really is kind of a memory generator, you know. Well, and I think that's what I think that's what's nice about books and photography more than video. I think is books and photography kind of wake up something in your mind that brings you back to a certain time and if you look at some of your illustrations and you go yeah i remember yeah yeah where i think video for some reason doesn't trigger that at least not in my mind at least no no i agree i agree and i'm always fond of saying that cars can remember what we can't meaning you won't remember something specific until you are either looking at that car or sitting in it and then all of a sudden it will spark something so the 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 thing itself can remember things that you can't and right. and, and that really is true right it, it is uh, there is there is there seems to be whether it's whether it's you know a Honda Accord pretty plain car or something exotic they do have their own stories, and they you know, they have their own memories with them. And I think Some that's stories are better about. than others, as I'm fond of saying, and yep. this book is full of just the good stories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, that, as it should be, as it should be. Again, Rodney, thanks for taking some time out of your Christmas Eve day and Happy joining us on the Car Doctor. Thank you for the interest, All right. and uh, uh, talk to you soon. All right, take care. Bye-bye Great. now. Bye-bye. We need to take a break, pay some bills on this Christmas Eve day. My name is John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. If you want to give us a call, 781-837-4900. I don't know. Wish your family a Merry Christmas on the program, whatever you want to do. And uh, we'll uh, we'll come back with uh, some interesting information from the latest issue of Consumer Reports, um, as well as um, uh, something from... Something from uh, uh, Hemmings Motor News about, uh, I'm sorry, not Hemmings, about, um, uh, from Haggerty, about five cars we'll miss and five we won't, we won't which I think is pretty good. So we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You'll see on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. One stop painting and renovating. 
Since 1986, One Stop Painting has been true to its name. The one stop you need to make for all your interior and exterior painting needs. That's 1986, 38 years. Some of our customers today weren't even born when we were painting their moms and dads' homes. And painting isn't all we do. Sure, we can freshen up your house and add some new colors and washable finishes to the walls, but we can also do carpentry, such as adding crown molding or wainscoting, wall and plaster repairs, fixed water and smoke damage. We can even help with insurance claims. For nearly four decades, we've taken on all projects, large and small, commercial and residential, and given you the same one stop attention to detail no matter the size or price of the job. We are a family run company responsible for over 30 employees. Your business helps us take care of their families while our employees take care of yours. Help keep them busy throughout the winter by taking advantage of some of our big seasonal discounts. Call us at 508 888 or check us out online at onestoppainting.com. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24 hour seven roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels, and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.comslash join. The Y is better with friends. That's why when you join the South Shore YMCA this month and refer a friend, you'll both find a safe, encouraging place to be healthy, active, and stronger together. When you find your why and share it with those you love, you'll discover a community that cares back, where everyone in the family can find their way to connect, to play, to unwind, and to thrive. The Y offers hundreds of group fitness classes, basketball and tennis courts, pickleball, swimming pools, indoor cycling, yoga and meditation. Zumba, aqua fitness, family activities, inclusive and adaptive programming, and so much more. And the Y offers free on site babysitting so mom and dad can enjoy a workout. Find the place where you, your family, and friends truly belong. Join the South Shore Y today and pay zero joiners' fee. And when you refer a friend, you can both save 20% each month. Visit ssymca.org for details. Find your Y at the South Shore YMCA. The better you belongs here. Frosty the snowman was a jolly, happy soul with a good cup pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. Welcome back to the Car Doctor program and Frosty the Snowman, too. Uh, real quick, before we get to Jay and Dediman, if you want to join us, 781-837-4900. says, five Haggerty Media, so Haggerty, the insurance people uh, who do way more than insurance now, five cars we'll miss in 2024 and five we won't. Uh, Chevy Camaro, yeah, I think, you know, yeah. We'll miss that. Dodge Challenger Charger. I, I love those cars. I ch- uh, Challenger more than the Charger, maybe, but uh, I like those cars. Even with the V6 uh, automatic, good good car, and, of course, uh, you know, Hellcat engine. Audi TT, do I miss it? No. I'm not. You know, and it makes, it makes sense that they're, I guess, doing away with the Audi TT. It was sort of built on the new Beetle platform, so... Uh, the idea that there, you know, there's no Beetle, so no Audi. Um, the Kia Stinger, which is a phenomenal car. If you're looking for a sports sedan, V6 twin turbo, 360, 70, 80 horsepower, something like that, 
all-wheel drive um, designed by, um, I think the suspension was designed by Lotus or Porsche. Um, they did a really good job. A little bit of a stiff ride, but um, just a great car to drive. Audi um, R8, only drove one once. Um, mid-engine supercar, had sort of a, 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 you know, a Lamborghini kind of engine in it. Um, pretty good. And the five, it says we won't miss Fiat 500 Jeep Renegade. Yeah, what's it say? Uh, we won't miss either of these two, but our distaste uh, stems from different places. The Fiat 500X and the Renegade were basically two adaptations of the same model. Uh, we consider the Jeep more appealing, uh, but neither model wowed the American buyer. That's true. Mazda MX-30, that was an interesting one. That was uh, exclusively sold in California. It was an electric vehicle with a small battery. It only had about 100 miles of range. I drove it. It was a nice enough vehicle. It did everything it was supposed to do, but 100 miles of range and where people are complaining 300 isn't enough. Um, and the Jeep Cherokee, and they say here, let's make one thing clear. We do miss the Jeep Cherokee. We just don't miss this Jeep Cherokee. Revived for 2014 with a lower rung model situated below the costlier Grand Cherokee above the Renegade. Cherokee nameplate has, for the better part of a decade, come to denote a unibody crossover that never could quite hack it against competition. It actually did. I think the older ones... Um, the boxy ones, I think, did really well. And rounding out the list, um, Kia Rio, kind of a plain little car. They said we don't usually lament the demise of another affordable car uh, that could be uh, had new with under $20,000. The current Rio is fine. It just doesn't cut it in a segment where profit margins are thin. Sales trends are only pointing down. Um, I, you know... Kia Rio over in Nissan Versa or Mitsubishi Mirage all day long, but that's just me. Our phone number again, 781-837-4900. Let's talk to Jay from Dedham. Jay, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Um, you know, uh, uh, you can you can send the gifts to Jesse anytime. <laughs> okay. I'll have I'll have him give me your mailing address when we're yeah. done. Hey, I'm I, 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 um, I'm interested. In, I'm going to be replacing a 24 year old Corolla. Um, I love the Japanese cars. Uh, it's been good. It still runs and everything else. I like the Mazda CX-5. What is the difference in the engine compared to other engines in the Mazda? You know, it's it's the the, the CX the CX-5 is the car that. I prefer over like the CX-50. And I don't know, you know, they tried to make the CX-50 sort of a, a hotter version of the same car, you know, more off-road-ish. The CX-5, I think, just works better. And the idea that, you know, you're and you're going to replace this with a brand new one? Oh, most definitely, yes. yeah. And I, and I hope to get it done this week. I figure this would be a great week to buy. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah well, either this week or uh, next um, Sunday. Nothing like buying the last, the very last day of the year. Sometimes, sometimes you can you can do you can do pretty well with that. So, um, I think there's what there's two engines in that. There's only the the, the yeah, regular two point five and the turbo. Yeah. right? 
Yeah, I would not want the turbo, not into stuffing air and fuel into an engine, trying to get longevity out of it. Let me ask the question this way. There's something different in the engine. I think it's a high-compression engine. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, or, it's or is it... what's, what's, what's Mazda called? Skyactiv. It's, it's, basically, it's basically almost, uh, you know, just before, uh, just before the compression stroke or... Uh, you know, just that after the compression stroke, yeah, it it scavenges it scavenges more air, so they can run a little higher compression. Um, and originally, when this this engine design's been around for a little while, but originally when this engine design first came out, you had to run premium fuel in it. Since then, Mazda's figured a way how to do away with that. Okay, so so the, so the Corolla's got two hundred thousand miles on it, still runs runs great. Am I gonna? It, will that engine have longevity to it? That it it'll last. It'll go two hundred thousand miles with the way that they're doing it. I think I think it will, and I think only because what, Mazda at the end of the day is kind of a and I hate that expression by the way. I'm sorry I used it. Um, is is a small car company, and one of the reasons they get good ratings is because they don't make any major changes in anything. Yes. So that's because, what I like about be, the car. Yeah, because of that, I think I think it's okay. I think you'll do I think you'll do okay. Um I love yeah. that it has a traditional transmission in it, and, and and the way that I look at that particular vehicle too is it looks like the same vehicle of ten years ago. So it's almost like they keep refining it, and, right. and, and, and they really haven't changed it. And I like that, just that it, that they. I'm sure they tweak it as they go along. And that's one of the you know we had uh, we had one of the folks on from Consumer Reports back a few months ago, uh, Mike Quincy, and and Mike Quincy, good guy, and, you know, one of the things we talked about was, you know, Mazda did really well on their, you know, most reliable cars and trucks of the time when they did it, and I said, why? And he went, because they don't do anything, they don't do any major changes, they just continually, like you pointed out, they just continually refine. Okay. Now, what about what about? And I'm going to ask another question. What else you think I should look at too? Um, I, I don't. I think this is a tough question for you to answer. But what about rust? For 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 the for I I believe it's built in Japan also, and I love that also. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it's a, a buy small engines. You got to buy the Kawasaki's. The pistons go up, the pistons go down. They last forever. But what about rust? Any clue about? Uh, you know, none at all, other than. We don't see rust the way we used to, and you know there was a time there was a time when you know we used to joke with Subaru when it first came out that you know if you went into a Subaru showroom late at night you could hear them rusting on the showroom floor, um, and and but that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Um, you know with the with the different types of uh, rust preventative measures that they take. Cars today seem to be pretty good, and I would I would think I would think nothing less with that with Mazda as well. Should I look at the Toyota Corolla SUV, the small one? It's like a year or two old. Um, I, I I like the Toyota because it it, it runs. It's amazing. It's right. amazing. It's been well maintained, but it runs. Um, should I look at the Corolla, or, or should I or should I just go for it? And I must say too is the Mazda. It's priced at thirty thirty, the low thirties. Yeah. It, it, it's priced right. Should I look at the Toyota? What else should I look at, John Paul? I, you know, I would definitely look at the Toyota only because you like, obviously, like Toyota products and have had, you have really good luck with them. I would, 
I would look at, you know, the, the CX-5 you're looking at now, I think you'll find that, like Mazda always does, they add a little bit of uh, Miata DNA into their vehicles, so they tend to be a little bit more fun to drive than most traditional SUVs. Um, I would, you know, just for, for fun and games, I'd look at, you know, the smaller um, Kia and Hyundais, uh, the 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 Tucson, you know, just, just to take, just to take a look at them. I mean, they're, they, they, you know, you're, you're getting, you're getting something you're not getting with either Toyota or Mazda. You're getting that 10 year, hundred thousand mile warranty. Now, certainly up until 2018, Hyundai's had some challenges with stuff, but um, Hyundai and Kia, both pretty solid products these days. I was always a fan of buying new cars a year later when they actually had inventories. So, you know, so basically buying the previous model uh, the next year. What are we seeing for discounts out there? What can I expect to get off a, a $35,000 car? What should I shoot for? Uh, you know, I, I, I would, you know, I would shoot for it the old fashioned way and see what happens. I mean, typically, you know, you're going to see about, you know, we always said, you know, start with, you know, dealer cost and work up and settle somewhere in the middle. You know, today we're seeing, you know, cars selling at list price plus. That has mm-hmm. started to come down somewhat. Those prices have started to settle where, unfortunately, we're starting, you know, dealers are still advertising. We we sell at, you know, MSRP, which is like, well, no one sold at MSRP five years ago, you know, no, and, but but I would I would shoot, I would take, that $35,000 car, take 15% off that price and then walk in and say, this is what I'm willing to pay and see what, see what they say. Yeah, that's wonderful. Again, uh, thank you very much. I appreciate your guidance and uh, happy holidays and Merry Christmas and a happy yeah. new year. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas and uh, happy new year to you. And, uh, and uh, you know, call us in a couple of weeks and tell us what you bought. Okay. Very good. All right. All right take care. Thank you. Yep, bye-bye. It. We need to take another break, I think, and pay some bills. If you'd like to join us, 781-837-4900. Why don't we take that quick break, and when we come back, maybe we'll talk to you about what you have on your mind on this Christmas Eve day. My name's John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com join. We're not happy unless you're happy. Hi, I'm Sheldon Stewart of Stewart Painting, and that's been our promise for over 35 years. If we paint your home, it's going to be a great experience. We do every job right, on time, and we stand behind our work. We have thousands of lifetime customers. That's because we are committed to delivering a top-notch job every time. There are not many sure things in life, but hiring Stewart Painting to paint your home is a sure thing. That's because we live by the Stuart Painting promise. We're not happy unless you're happy. To schedule your free estimate, call either of our Hingham or Hyannis offices, or to receive a virtual quote, visit us online at stuartpaint.com. Send us a video of your project and receive your estimate within 24 hours. That's stuartpaint.com. And remember, Stuart Painting. Expect the best. 
A lot of us have questions about the updated COVID vaccine. Can anyone get an updated vaccine? When is the best time to get an updated COVID vaccine? Can I get my COVID and flu shots at the same time? I already had COVID. Do I need to get an updated vaccine? It's good to have questions. Just make sure to get good answers from qualified professionals. Talk with your doctor or nurse about the updated COVID vaccine. Make an informed decision. It's up to you. This health message was brought to you by your friends at Harbor Health. Visit hhsi.us slash COVID vaccine for more information. Welcome back to the Car Doctor program in 95.9 WATD. Good thing, good thing the, uh, were the mics on back just a second ago? Well, you know. They were not, no, it's safe. Good, good thing, yeah. Um, let's talk to uh, Richard from Peabody. Richard. Good morning. Good morning. Happy, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. Uh, I just bought a 2016 Buick LaCrosse. Okay. And and I'm very old. I'm not tech um Low tech, I, and I can't figure out the infotainment center. Is there any resources I can access to help me through this? I had a digit. I have a uh, the analog speedometer. Messing around with the buttons, I ended up with just the uh, digital speedometer. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you need to find. You need to find a 17 year old. Oh, you're not kidding. Yeah, yeah you, and you'll be all set. Um, well, I asked my daughter, and she says, here, do this, 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 and this, and she pressed three or four buttons, and she said, see, and walked away. See, I, yeah, it is, I mean, you know, other than, you know, sit there and read the owner's manual and try to figure it out. Other That's than useless. That, yeah, other than that, go into, I would go into any GM dealership and just, you know, go find a salesperson and just say, hey, look, you know, I bought this car. I'm a little confused by the technology. Can you just come out and show me show me a few things? And I'm sure somebody, you know, somebody along the way, you know, would, you know, if, you know, if it, if it was me and I was at a dealership and you came in, I would hope that, you know, if I was nice to you and tried to show you some stuff about your car, that you yeah. or a family member would come back and buy another car, so you, you know, buy a car from us someday just based on that. So That's um, a good idea. Yeah, I would, you know, I would, that's what I would try to do. I would go into, you know, if, all the GM infotainment systems are basically the same. So, you know, if you went into a, you know, Chevy dealer or a Buick dealer or whatever, I think, I think you'd find, you know, you'd be able to find something that would, somebody that could help you. Yeah, because the manual is nothing. It doesn't tell you how to do anything. It says, see your dealer, see your dealer, see your dealer. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, um, you know, with, you know, up on, you know, up where you live, there's a couple of, a couple of GM dealers up there. I would, I would, I would just go in and ask and just say, hey, look, you know, I don't, don't want to, you know, if somebody has a time, can they just come out and show me a few things about this car and, uh, you know, just go through it with me? Like I said, you know, if if they're standing around staring at each other and not selling cars, why not why not come out and help you? 
Well, I thought of that, but I said they probably don't want to help me. You know, they well, you know, it, it does, sell a car. Yeah, but you know, yeah. between Christmas and New Year's, there ain't a whole lot going on at car dealerships. So no, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. All right, I'm glad I found you. I missed you for a while. It took uh, me a while to find you, but well, uh, well, thank, well, thanks for finding me. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. All thanks right. For the Take care. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Um, you know Jay's question about you know the Mazda. Um, you know he he said you know what do you think is there something else? I was just looking at predicted reliability. Uh, every year, Consumer Reports members uh, they're asked about problems they've had with their vehicles, twenty different areas over the previous um, twelve months. Our predictions for 2024 models are based on overall reliability of each for the past three years, and in some cases supplemented with, I need to go over to page two here, the brand reliability score. So in the compact SUV category, um, Consumer Reports says that Jay should be looking at a Toyota RAV4 Prime, so that's the plug-in RAV4, Kia Sportage plug-in hybrid, or Subaru Forester. Then... Toyota RAV4, CRV, Hyundai Tucson, then the CX-5. And the CX-5 does, does well. It does well. Um, so certainly something to look at in the um, compact car category. Um, let's see. Compact cars, which compact SUVs, SUVs, small pickups. Um, Apparently there is no com oh compact cars, Toyota Prius, Toyota Corolla hatchback. So Jay's Jay's Toyota Corolla is there, and the Toyota Corolla are rated as, you know, the Toyota's rated as the top three in the compact uh, sedan category or compact car category, and at the very bottom of that list is uh, Volkswagen Jetta, Nissan Kicks. Didn't didn't even know they still made that car, and um, one of my favorite cars at the bottom of the list is the. Uh, is the Kia Soul. I like that car. That car did a really good job. So, Well, that music means we need to go until the very last day of next year. So uh, we will be back New Year's Eve day. Jesse, you're going to be back New Year's Eve day? Yep, I've already started drinking. All right, good. Okay, good. Plan, plan ahead. Always good to do that. So uh, until next week, make sure you have a very Merry Christmas and... If you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. And, of course, wear your seatbelt and be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, Jesse. Merry Christmas, my friend. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.